As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. Thank you for letting me and us come right into your space. It is Friday. This week has just gone like that. And Denise and Paul, have we had a good time? This has been awesome, Rick. I love every single day we've been together. Amen. Paul? It's been encouraging to me, and I hope that it's been encouraging to you because we've gone through the spiritual weapons that God has given us to live a strong spiritual life, protect ourselves spiritually, and advance forward. And we've talked about a lot of things, but today we have to go through a lot of material. We have three pieces of weaponry we have to cover today, and we're going to cover it all. But if you need prayer, I want to tell you right up front, first of all, please contact us. Send us an email. But we want you to know we're here for you anytime you need prayer. And please go to our website, runner.org, and order the study guide called The Infilling of the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned it in every one of these teaching sessions because you have to have the infilling of the Holy Spirit to walk in this weaponry. You cannot function in this, even if it belongs to you. You don't have the strength to carry it until you have an experience with the Holy Spirit, and that's what this will help you to receive. And we're also wanting you to order, please, please, please order my book called Dress to Kill. You don't have to take it anymore. Don't you like that? Yes. Because you are dressed to kill, a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. And today I'm going to show you a few pictures out of this book. But guys, we have a lot to cover. So get your Bible, get your Bibles, and let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Yesterday we dealt with the shield of faith. Was that rich yesterday? I loved it. The shield of faith is so powerful. Wow. It, I mean, God has given us that, and, and, and it's to guard us and to protect us. From the enemy. He doesn't want us to be hit. And by the way, we're not just hiding out. It gives us the ability to advance. Absolutely. You cannot advance without faith. No. But let's go ahead and move to the next verse. So now we're going to come to verse 17. We're lacking three pieces of armor in order to have the whole armor of God. We have to have the helmet. We have to have the sword. And we have to have the lance. So today we're going to see all three real fast. But look at verse 17 where it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But hey, notice the very first of verse 17. It says take. You have to take all of this. You have to be intentional about walking in spiritual weaponry. And the way you put it on is described in verse 11. It says put on the whole armor of God. Put on the Greek word enduo. It's where you get the word for an endowment of power being endued with power from on high. When that power hits you, it's going to begin to dress you. When you take the power of God, you're taking all this weaponry. And when you embrace the power of God, it will put a helmet on your head. Now, we have a helmet right here. All right, Mr. Renner, you ready to be our model? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, I take the helmet of salvation. Let's obey the Bible. I'm going to take. No, wait, wait. Before you put it on, I want you to turn around and show the backside. All right. It is completely fashioned of metal. It's got this beautiful red thing on the top, which this is a replica, but in the real days, that red thing was made out of horse hair. 
and it determined the rank of the soldier. Every, it kind of looks like a broomstick, right? I know it looks like a broomstick, but that's not what it is. Okay. Every Roman soldier had a helmet. If you were in the infantry, you had a helmet, but every Roman soldier had a different rank. And likewise, in the body of Christ, we all have a helmet. We're all soldiers in the house of God, but every Christian may have a different rank depending on how he has been found faithful. But we all have a helmet of salvation but this Roman helmet was made out of metal. And notice it had pieces to protect the side of the face. And notice the back piece. Look at the very back. See that? That rested on the back of the neck. Now, why in the world did you need to have that big piece of metal on the back of the neck? Denise, do you know why? Because to protect you. Well, to protect you from what? From the arrows of the enemy. No, not an arrow. The breastplate protected you from arrows, and so did the shield. The enemy carried an axe, and it was called a battle axe. And you used it a little bit like a boomerang. You could swing it and throw it, and if the enemy was really professional, he could use that battle axe to hit you in the back of the neck and take your head off. If he didn't get the head completely off, if you didn't have your helmet on, he would come with his axe and would begin to whack away at your head. It would be a mortal wound. And so it was essential for a Roman soldier to have on a helmet. And notice it's made of metal. Metal becomes rusty over a period of time unless you take care of it. And every morning at the same time that the Roman soldier was anointing his shield with oil, he was also putting oil on his helmet of salvation to make sure no rust got involved in this piece of weaponry. He had to really work on it to keep it in top-notch shape. And the Bible calls it a helmet of salvation. Paul, put that on your head. Okay. All right. Helmet of salvation. Here's our model. Hold on. Hold on. We got This one has padding on the inside. You know why it has padding on the inside? Because it's painful to wear. Because it's painful to wear and because it was heavy. Okay. Paul, here. Here, I'll give you a little teaching. The real Roman soldier, you know what they had on the inside of their helmet? Dirty socks. Sponge. Sponge, okay. They had a sponge from the sea okay. because the helmet was so heavy. Now, what does all this mean? Well, first of all, salvation is a pretty heavy thing that God's done in our life. It's pretty heavy. The word helmet is the Greek word perikephale. Kephale is the word for the head. The word peri means around. So a helmet is something that surrounds the head, but in particular, it surrounds the mind. It surrounds the mind. The word salvation is the Greek word sozo. I don't know why, but in the Protestant church, in the Christian movement, people tend to think salvation just means going to heaven, being saved from sin. But in the old Jewish mindset, that word salvation, the Greek word sozo, was so huge. It was health. It was healing. It was prosperity. It was the full package that belongs to every person that is saved. My friends, praise God for heaven, but your salvation is much more than heaven. It starts right now. And in your salvation, there is healing. There's deliverance. There is soundness of mind. There's health. There's prosperity. That's all the part of the package. Every Jew understood that. And when the Apostle Paul writes about the helmet of salvation, he's talking about the full package 
And here Paul says it needs to be the helmet of salvation, which means what your salvation is, all that it entails, the full package of it needs to be wrapped around your head, around your brain. You need to be indoctrinated with it because if you're not indoctrinated with it, the devil's going to come with a battle axe and he's going to be whacking away at your faith. He's going to whack away at healing until you don't believe in healing. Then he's going to whack away at prosperity until you no longer believe in prosperity. You know what the devil will do? He'll whack and whack and whack and whack until you have nothing left but eternal salvation. He'll leave that alone. That he wants to take everything away from you that affects how you live right now. He just wants to leave you with eternally, eternity, but take everything else away from you. He has a battle axe. And therefore, the Apostle Paul says we need to take salvation and all that salvation is and really wrap it around our brains. Denise? Well, we need to renew our minds. Oh, we do. And, when, and that's a process. And when we renew our minds, then we know the will of God. And, and we know the will of God, then we know how to defeat the enemy. And, and so our helmet is so very important very important. And Rick, I've even heard you say this before, that we have saved brains. brains. I love that. We do. We have actually, actually sound mind, the Greek word, uh -huh. sophronismos, okay. from the word sozo, which uh -huh. means saved, saved, and the word friend, which is the word, word intelligence. Uh -huh. A sound mind is really a saved brain. Saved brains. Amen. That's what you have, are saved Brain. Now look at this. In my book, Dress to Kill, I actually have pictures of real Roman helmets that have been excavated. There were so many different kinds of helmets, depending on where you were, what you did, what was your status. But the fact remains, every soldier had a helmet. Your status may have varied from the guy next to you, but you had a helmet. And likewise, in the house of God, in the army of God, we all have different status but we all have a helmet of salvation. We need to know what the Bible says belongs to us in our salvation. That's why you need to listen to teaching you can trust and don't listen to any teaching that begins to take the blessings of God away from you. That's the devil. He might come in a very sly fashion, but with his ax, he'll begin to intelligently Whack away at your brain until he takes away from you all the things that Jesus died to give you. Keep your helmet on. Keep your brain protected. Know what you believe about your salvation. Amen? Now, I have to point out something else. Now, look at Paul. All right, if you walked up to a soldier that looked like that with this red thing coming out of the top of his head, you would notice him. Salvation is the most noticeable thing in a person's life. Denise, you and I have talked the other day that when we're sitting in an airport waiting for a plane, we can be sitting in the lounge, and you and I can say, look at that person across the room. Never talked to that person, never met that person, but we can know that they're a child of God. You know why? You can see salvation. See it. You can just see it. You can see when a person is saved. You can recognize it. Salvation is the most noticeable thing in a person's life. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. But wait. In verse 17, it goes on to say what we need to do next. Okay. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the what? 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And here we have the word sword. Well, Roman soldiers had different kinds of swords. They had a big, heavy wooden sword that they used for sword practice. And during sword practice, they would take this big sword and they would swing it and they would hit a post, trying to learn how to use their muscles and learn how to use their sword. And I think that's very important because before any real battle begins, the Holy Spirit will help you prepare for battle. If you'll use the Word of God, and if you'll exercise yourself by the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will prepare you in advance to hit the real target when it is needed. But the word sword that is used here is a word which describes a sword like this. It was about 19 inches long, and it was carried by the Roman soldier. It was a sharp, double-edged sword. Now, this particular sword is dangerous, and it is a replica. It's so dangerous that I had them bend the tip so that nobody would get hurt. But a Roman soldier carried a sword just like this. And sometimes, even this was not sufficient, because when you got really, really close to an enemy, this sword was too big to use. Mm -hmm. If you were really close to an enemy, you needed to have another sword, which was also carried by the Roman soldier, and it looked like this. Looks more like a dagger, doesn't it? This was for a really close contest. Well, either one of these swords are to be used in upfront, close encounters. And when the Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit, we find out that God has something for us when we feel like the enemy is breathing down our neck. He gives us a sword. And because the sword was used for close contact, it means if you have received a rhema, you're probably headed for a very intense battle that is up close and intimate because a sword like this was used for a close contest. Isn't that something? Now, the Bible says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wait a minute. Is there a conflict here? Because we already saw that the loin belt is the Bible. That's the word logos, the loin belt of truth. But wait, this is the word rhema. This word rhema describes an immediate word, a fresh word, a word just quickened. Just quickened. Well, where do you get a fresh rhema, a quickened word? Well, when these swords were not in use, they hung on the loin belt. The loin belt represents the Bible. But when a soldier needed a sharp sword for a moment, he could pull on his sword, which was hanging on his loin belt, and coming out of his loin belt would be a sharp sword. And here's what I want you to understand. Most rhemas, or swords of the Spirit, which the Spirit puts in your hand and in your mouth, will come as you're reading the Scripture. Suddenly, a Scripture will be quickened. And coming out of the Scripture, a sword real sword power. It's like a dagger to be used at close range when the enemy gets too close to you. And the perfect example of this is Jesus. When Jesus was in the wilderness temptation, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. You can read about it in Luke chapter 4. Jesus became in close contest with the enemy. And every time the enemy got too close, Jesus said, it is written. 
How did Jesus come up with those particular verses every single time he said it is written? The Holy Spirit put that word in his mouth, put that word in his hand, and every single time it was like a dagger that attacked the enemy and put the enemy on the run. And that's what happens when you receive a rhema from the scripture. All of the Bible is strong. All of the Bible is powerful. It is all the word of God. But from time to time, God will quicken a word to you in a precise moment for a specific event that is really especially sharp and dangerous to the domain of darkness. He'll give you a sword of the Spirit. Denise? Many, many years ago, many years ago, um, we were trying to find out what God's will was. We were living in Tulsa with Rick's parents at the time, trying to find out what God wanted us to do. And the Lord spoke to Rick that we were supposed to uh, go on the road and take the teaching all around the United States. And, and so I was pregnant with Philip. Paul was little with the helmet on. And, and, um, uh, and so we'd already started a church. We'd already been uh, on the staff of a church. So I had confidence about starting a church or being on a staff of another church. But getting in a car and driving from state to state to places we don't, we just don't know what's going to happen. And and I'm pregnant with Philip and Paul so little. I thought, you know, Lord, I committed to follow Rick till death do us part. But this is pretty scary. And I I want to follow, but I want to follow with all my heart. And so I told the Lord that and. So we were in a worship service, and we were praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, I looked at my feet, and the Lord said to me, here comes the rhema. He said, this is sort of the spirit. I do direct the steps of a righteous man. When I heard that, peace flooded my heart, and I was able to follow with all my heart, and that rhema came right out of the word of God. But the Holy Spirit, he wanted me to be a victor. He wanted me to be free in this situation mm. and be all that I could be in that situation. And he will give you that rhema. Oh, praise God. And when God gives you a sword like that, yeah. you suddenly have sword power. Yes. It is amazing. But there's one more weapon here. There's got to be one more weapon. And there's a problem because when you read Ephesians chapter 6, it seems like one piece of weaponry is missing. It seems like it's gone. In verse 14, we saw the loin belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Hmm. Then in verse 15, we saw your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, we saw the shield of faith. Verse 17, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. But wait, 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 wait. A Roman soldier had seven pieces of weaponry. There's a piece missing. Is it really missing? No, it's not missing. Now let me read to you from this page in Dress to Kill where I have pictures of Roman lances. Listen to this. Although the lance is not specifically mentioned in this chapter, it has to be in the text or we don't have the whole armor of God. But it's here. 
It's in Ephesians 6, verse 18, where Paul writes, praying always, guys, listen to this. And remember, Paul knows exactly what he's writing. This is what he has in his mind. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I call this the lands of prayer and supplication. Lances that were used by the Roman army varied in size, shape, and length. Over the course of many centuries, these lances were modified substantially. The Roman soldier used lances of all kinds. The old Greek lance, used during Homer's time, was normally made of ash wood and was about six to seven feet long, having a solid iron lance head at the end of the spear. Like the lance itself, the iron head of the lance varied in form and often resembled a leaf, a bulrush, or a sharp barb, or simply a jagged point. Some lances were small, others were long. The smaller, shorter lances were used for gouging or thrusting an enemy up close. The longer lances were used for hurling at the enemy from a distance. Most Roman soldiers carried both lances short and long. With the aid of the shorter lance, they could thrust through the body of their adversary from close range. But with a longer lance, they could strike their adversary with a deadly blow from a distance. After successfully hitting an army, an enemy with the longer lance, the Roman soldier would draw his sword, run to the enemy to finish him off. But there were shorter lances, long lances, narrow lances, wide lances, pointed lances, jagged lances, multi-blade lances, and so on. The Roman army used a lance called the pilum, and the pilum was used when an opposing force came to attack a Roman's encampment. Rather than wait for the enemy to come upon them and initiate the fight, Thus taking many losses, the Romans hurled this extremely long, heavy lance through the air toward their foes. And by doing this, they could strike the enemy from a distance and stop the enemy from penetrating their encampment. Now, why did I read you all that? Because when you come to Romans 6, verse 18, Paul says, look at it. Praying always with what? It says all prayer. The Greek literally says all kinds of prayer. Just like a Roman soldier had a pouch, and in the pouch there were different lances, different sizes, different shapes used for different events, there are different kinds of prayer. Prayer is not one size fits all. There's the prayer of binding and loosing. There's the prayer of authority. There's the prayer of agreement. There are many different kinds of prayer. There's the prayer of supplication. There's the prayer in the name of Jesus. There's the prayer of surrender. There are different kinds of prayer. And one reason that people don't have success in prayer is because they're using the wrong prayer for a situation. There are different sizes and shapes of prayer, just like there were different kinds of lances. Well, here is a lance of a Roman soldier. But this is just one. A Roman soldier had many. In fact, Roman soldiers carried one lance so long, if it was all put together, it was more than 20 feet long, sometimes 24 feet long. You say, how could you carry a lance 20 to 24 feet long? Well, it was like a fishing pole. You have a really long fishing pole. You can't carry it anywhere. It's too long. So what do you do? You take it up and you assemble it when you go to fish. A Roman soldier could take out these varied pieces, assemble them together, and come up with a really long lance, which was used for charging your enemy from a distance, 
He had lances to hurl at the enemy from a distance. A lance was primarily used to hit the enemy from afar so that he never made it up close. And this is what I call the lance of prayer and intercession. Praise God that we have a sword of the Spirit. This is for close contest. But if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll put a lance in our hands. He will alert us to the fact that the enemy is on the horizon. And if we will listen and do the work of intercessory supplication, we can literally hurl that lance. That's why I call it our spear of influence. It's a spear of influence. If we will use our influence in the spirit realm, we can do such devastation to the work of the enemy that he'll never make it close. And let me tell you, friends, it's better to deal with him from a distance than for him to get so close you have to have a sword of the Spirit. Praise God you have both. But if we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, we can hit the enemy off at the pass. Denise? Amen. The lance is powerful. It absolutely, because the Holy Spirit, he wants to show you things to come. So if he shows you things to come, then he's saying you need to pray. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he gives dreams, and it might be a dream that something's going to happen. Well, he didn't give us the dream that uh, something bad was going to happen that so we get scared. Of course not. He gave us the dream so that we would take our authority. And stop it. And we would stop it with the lance of the Spirit, with intercession. Absolutely. You know, sometimes God will speak to you during a dream. Sometimes you'll just feel a quickening something on the inside of you. I'll tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit's always faithful. He is always faithful. Right now, everybody's talking about the coronavirus and it's taking people off guard. You know why it's taking people off guard? Because people weren't listening. The Holy Spirit was speaking. He's always speaking. Always. I think about Agabus the prophet. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that Agabus came down to Jerusalem. He came with a company of prophets from Antioch. Man, that was a long distance. Came all the way down to Jerusalem and prophesied that a big famine was going to come and even gave instruction on what to do. You know what that was? That was a lance. They were moving in the spirit, hurling something at the enemy before it could get close. They were dealing with the enemy to keep the attack in the distance. And if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll show us what's coming. He'll show us how to pray. He'll show us how to use prayer to hit that thing so that it never comes near us. My friends, God has given us the whole armor of God, all seven pieces. Wow. Exactly what we need. But according to Ephesians 6 verse 11, we have to put it on. And Paul, you look so beautiful in that helmet, I have to ask you. How do you put on the whole armor of God? You do it by faith, by by asking the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit every single day. You need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit so that when you get the power to wear the helmet, carry the lance and the sword and the breastplate and the shoes of peace, so when you get the when you get the power, you get the equipment at the same time. So pray in tongues. Every single day. That's why people need this study guide called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it is so powerful what it is, what it produces, how to receive it, how to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to 
help you get something that will empower you so you can walk in this weaponry. Don't let this weaponry just be a mental exercise. This is not supposed to be a mental exercise. Yes, teach your brain. But you're supposed to be able to do something with this information. God wants you to walk in the whole armor of God. But first you have to receive the power of God so that you can carry this. You guys, we have done two full weeks on Ephesians chapter 6. Rick, I think somebody is wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Pray for them right now, Denise. Okay. Father, right now. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for the quickening, your quickening power on that person right there. And as you just ask the Lord, just we'll pray with you right now. Mm. Jesus, I want you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit and with power. You just receive it right then. Yes. Right then. Yes. You have evidence of speaking in other tongues, the power of God on your life. It's right there. Yes. We're just going to speak in tongues with you for just a few seconds. Just let it flow out of your heart. Yes, and you can pray in that way anytime you want to. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you. He's empowering you right now by His Spirit. Yes. Oh, we thank you, Father. Yes, and I want to tell you that if you want to write to us with any questions or if you just want us to pray with you specifically, send us an email at prayer at renner.org or call us. We are here for you. We really are. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you in the next home group. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.